c a m p a d u l t h o o d Camp Adulthood, bridging the millennial divide, one conversation at a time. Interviewing guests, strangers, and friends. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood. Hello, and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I am super excited about our guest today. Once again, an esteemed guest, uh, Anna Lovell Nesmith. And I just asked her how to say her name, and I think I said it wrong. Did, did I get it right? Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> and Anna is an amazing self-help coach, uh, yoga teacher, and just all around amazing human. Um, and we're really excited to talk to her about her work on the podcast today. So Anna, if you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and the work that you do before we dive into our current event segment, that would be awesome. Okay. My name is Anna, like Shay said, and I'm a wife and a mom of twin boys. They're six, and it's lots of fun. Um, I do a lot of coaching for people to help them figure out what is happening, why they aren't meeting their goals, and we work from a spiritual, emotional, and physical approach, and um, we just help everybody get better with healing themselves from the inside out, and I support people on their journey, and I just help them achieve their transition however they want that to look like so i met anna by taking her booty yoga class at the local ymca um here in oregon about a year and a half ago and uh kristen former guest of the pod and myself were just so blown away by the work that anna did uh with body and movement and energy in class. Um, and the part of the story I think I've never told Anna is that we had been taking another teacher's class in the same vein, the same booty yoga. Um, and for, I don't know, a few months before we discovered Anna's class and we didn't know what to make of it because this other teacher who is an amazing teacher and community leader, and we love her, but she was like very into this one part of yoga where she would like make her ass clap. And Kristen and I were always like, what is going on right now in this yoga class? Is that a part <laughs> and, of yoga? <laughs> and we're like, is this a part of yoga? But what it is, it's a part where you like bend over and you like shake out your muscles and you get the lactic acid flowing. And it's like very important to, um, you know, to keep things moving. Um, but it would be, it was like very intense with this other teacher. And then when we went to Anna's class and saw Anna do it, it like finally all made sense about why we were doing this in the middle of this class. But that's always kind of my my funny little story of my first introduction to booty yoga was with this other teacher. She was doing that and she had done like a 90s like hip hop night. <laughs> for the music and I was like there's a lot going on here that I don't understand but Anna made it all make sense and since then you know continued to work with Anna and uh, gotten to experience recently some of her other energy work and energy healing that she does and I just thought she would be such a wonderful guest to have we recently did an episode on kind of millennial spiritualism and and what that looks like and you know why people are so drawn to crystals and and the kind of energy work that you do Anna so we thought this would be a great follow-up uh to that conversation yeah. nice so excited to have you and maybe before we go into the segments 
if you want to explain what booty yoga is, because I've heard about it through Shay and Chris, but I've never experienced it and I don't really know what it is. So maybe the five second explainer on that one. It's really about sweating with intention. So it's an emotional release, a spiritual release, and a physical release, but it's a lot of hard work. And in the end, you get to kind of have the reward of Shavasana, but you hit it really hard during the time. But it's such a powerful practice that you literally have all these releases in that 60-minute class or 90-minute class. And it's just incredibly profound. In fact, I never... (laughs) really liked yoga before, like at all. It just didn't really work with me. I don't know why. And then I took this booty yoga class from a different instructor and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is what my world has been missing. And it was huge. Like the movement, the transition, like it was so powerful. Um, I think the best way I can explain it is it's very, very powerful and really fun and super um, kind of like raw. Like you're very raw. You get to be loud and you get to be you know, dance and move and you get to be heard and seen and you get to celebrate all those parts that we oftentimes feel like we have to, you know, sort of be quiet. Or if you're in a traditional yoga class, you have to, you don't have to, but it's, you know, expected that there's a lot of silence with the soft music. And this is just very different. It's much more tribal and loud and really like a liberation of spirit. It's just amazing. It's very cool. It's very, very cool. Fun. And we've been doing classes outdoors recently, which I find very fun. Ooh, so yeah. love that. Excellent. All right. Well, to dive into our segments, Shay, do you have a toasty campfire topic for us? Madeline, do I have a toasty campfire topic? Am I prepared for today's episode is the real question. Um, you can skip if you want. <laughs> I think I might need to skip today. I may, or something may pop into my head. Uh, no, How's I mean, life since we've been camping life's back to work. Good. Camping was great. I feel like I was prepared. Oh, you know what? I have something that I can talk about really quickly because I think it harkens to a lot of what we have been talking about with, um, you know, how are, how is everyone weathering COVID and what does that look like? And what does that look like in industries that are also being kind of sh- shaken up by the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, And we've talked a lot about food on this podcast, and we've had some chefs and nutritionists on here. And I read this really interesting article about because there have been all of these big overturns at the big, glossy food magazines like Bon Appetit, that there has just been a flood of indie uh, food newsletters and that they are really cool and really good. And I wanted to shout out um, former guest of the pod, Cassie Knabel from the Northwest Kitchen, who in this flood of uh, food newsletters has has been start. Well, she's had one for a while, but has really started doubling down on that. So if you are interested in this kind of wealth of um, new food journalism, I would say definitely go follow Cassie's newsletter. And we'll also post a link to this um, this article that lists a whole bunch of other great ones. But I've really been enjoying that. And also, you know, I feel like with COVID, um, I've just been kind of cooking the same things over and over again. And it's fun to like be able to imagine about eating different things. Um, so here, there I go. I just pulled one, pulled one out of nowhere, but, um, I I guess my question for you guys would be like, how have you, I mean, I know, so Maddie works for, uh, 
a food delivery company. So she meal kit service. So she gets a lot of her meals from there. But I'm curious, Anna, what have you been cooking for yourself and your family during this kind of weird time? Also, Anna uh, has six-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old. Six-year-old. They'll be six-year-old seven. Six-year-old twin yeah. boys. Yeah. So I'm sure, I'm sure that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily my kids eat everything. Um, so I'm pretty lucky on that. But, you know, my husband and I, we're not very picky eaters either. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they just kind of are natural with that. But, um, you know, we've been cooking just like same old stuff. Like I, I feel like COVID didn't really change our like what we were having for meals. Like we've mm-hmm. always just done like, you know, tacos <laughs> and like fish or, um, you know, steak or chicken. Or I mean, I think we've stayed pretty consistent to what we eat and how we eat, but we mm-hmm. obviously had to really plan weeks more in advance. Whereas mm-hmm. before we were kind of, what are we going to have today? Oh, let's go to the grocery store, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we just haven't, you know, eaten same old stuff. I mean, I don't think there's been a couple recipes I've tried that were more like, what do we have in the pantry? Okay, let's try this. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've turned out okay. <laughs> Good. Good. You know? Yeah. I love it. I love awesome. it. Maddie, yeah. any thoughts? Um, definitely uh, check out Meal Kits, the number one meal kit. You know which one it is. If you Google it, it's great. Okay. Um, so that's my plug. Um, advertise on podcasts, except not ours. I know. Sad. I know. We don't have enough listeners. Maybe one day. Um, that's very cool. I definitely, I love Cassie and her newsletter is great. Um, so that's very exciting topic. Um, my topic is really quick. So today is actually the 100th anniversary of the signing of the 19th Amendment. Yes. Sorry. I've been thinking about this all day. How come this wasn't my hot topic? Sorry. I know. Well, (laughs) it could be everyone. It should be everyone's hot topic. Um, strong ladies on today. I know. So for those that don't know what the 19th Amendment is, it gave women the right to vote. But obviously, there were a lot of women of color that didn't get the right to vote until the 1920s. And then even beyond that, um, really, until the Voting Rights Act in the 60s, did it really enfranchise most people. Um, but I think Shay and I have talked about this. We're very passionate about voting. And we were even discussing on the camping trip, like, your grandma was um, alive before, like, the right to vote happened. She would have been yeah. over 100, obviously, or she would have been, yeah, over 100 now if she were still alive. So just Four. thinking about how it it's 100 years seems like a long time, but it's really not that long of a time. And people on all sides of the aisle are always trying to disenfranchise people, and especially as women, you know, taking the time to look at what the suffragettes did and the the tactics that they used. And I think in this age of protest, it's really interesting to look at, you know, those points in history and just think about voting as a powerful thing and not as a chore to do. And it, it really is such an important thing. And I think especially for women looking at those people that came before us and that we shouldn't really take it for granted. So that's my hot topic. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Um, I mean, I always want to talk about voting and I'm also wearing my, I can't wait to vote shirt today. So I put that on without realizing what day it was, but I'm very excited about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, and we talked about this last week on our camping episode, but we just don't, I think, realize how recently it was that women, um, as Maddie said, of any, of any color, but particularly our 
sisters um, of color, you know, were franchised. Franchised, is that how you say it? But we've certainly spent many centuries disenfranchised. So, you know, I, I think, you know, Anna, on this podcast, we talk clearly a lot about different generations and what that looks like and how that translates. And I feel like um, a lot of people who are my age, so kind of the elder or ancient millennial, are very apathetic about voting. Um, and I, I'm hoping that that changes and we see we see more of them come out in this next election um but i feel like i don't see that with um you know maddie your kind of regular millennials um, are a little more active yeah it's interesting i mean i definitely have friends and even close friends even people in my life that don't vote um but definitely older people obviously vote vote more i think my parents instilled in from a young age like i remember being really, really young, like five or six. And my mom would always make it a point of like, she she could have requested an absentee ballot for having kids at home, like totally fine. But she made it a point of taking us into the booth with her and like helping her fill out the ballot and stuff and, you know, pulling the lever and all the different things. And so I think I always kind of took it for granted that I would not the right to vote, but that I would always vote in every, even if it was a little like, school board runoff election like the local ones um that every single election especially those local ones that aren't part of you know the presidential election time are honestly the most important and that's what has the most day-to-day impact for people and those you know there are people my mom's very active in her local politics and there's races that are decided amongst 12 votes that decide you know school funding and roads and the stuff you know national politics is important too but the things that really I think impact your day to day and especially if you have kids is really those local things and they can be so tight. So, you know, I get it on the national front. I live in New York. Everyone's like, my vote doesn't count. It's going to go to Biden anyways. But it's like it just makes me want to punch them in the face because I'm like, well, there could be 12 people that are, you know, defunding X, Y and Z and moving things over here and not aligning with your values. And how can you not care about that? So I think that there's this big We've talked about this on the podcast, too, this, like, sloganization and nationalizing of everything, and social media is a big part of that, but politics and all the grassroots efforts and voting is so local. The rules are local. Like, that's my other plug. Like, look up Oregon's a mail-in. They have a mail-in voting system, which is great, thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. Lots of states are now (laughs) trying to, like, ramshack this together. So, like, if you're in Oregon, great. You probably have a working system. If you don't, like, look it up. Don't just assume that you can go to your normal polling pace that you always have in this COVID time. So that's my plug. The voting by mail is great. When I moved here, I was like, this is a delight. Why doesn't everybody? I know, because you guys have an actual, like system like Mm -hmm. it works because it was designed to work it wasn't like hastily put together yeah yeah and how you know I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on the subject but also you know given your line of work that you do and and to be in such a kind of contentious and angry political time you know not to to somewhat transition into the interview but I wonder how you handle that and how you handle that with you know, the people that you work with? So I think a lot of it comes down to where we place our energy. Like so many people get so angry about 
whoever the president is. And it was people were angry with Obama. People have been angry with Trump. I mean, people are people, right? And we are all imperfect. And so I always remind everybody, where do you choose to, to invest your energy? Because when you don't even know someone, right, like the president or whoever, the senator, whoever is upsetting you, if you do not even know them, and how can we, right? Most of us mm-hmm. don't. Why? Why would you give them your energy? Why would you let them affect your mood to where you feel angry, to where you feel sad, to where you feel anything? I mean, like, all we can do, like what Maddie said, is we vote and we do our best, you know, do the best we can with what we have, the control that we have, which is filling out that ballot. But beyond that, it's really a matter of reminding ourselves that we have that power within to choose where we send and spend our energy. And so for me, and I'm always reminding a lot of people, do you really intentionally choose to give that person you don't know energy that's going to affect your mood or those around you? And if you don't want to do that, then take that energy and that power back and just let them be humans because no person's ever going to be perfect in the presidential space or any other you know, political space, really, to be honest, because we are all imperfect. And so it's just a really, I think, powerful reminder that you know, you do what you can do with it by voting and, and, and being intentional and conscious of what you're voting for, but allowing it to affect your emotions and your, I mean, I have seen so much, there has been a lot of hate I've seen lately. And it's just like, I just have to remind the ones that are affected that come to me and say like, oh my gosh, like this is so tough and I feel really upset or, or I feel angry or I'm, I'm sad or I just have to remind them like, well, And I I validate that because it is a very emotional time. There's no question about that. But it goes back to how do you, if if it's really out of your control, which a lot of this is, you know what I mean? Beyond voting, there's not a lot we can do. Then try to remind yourself that the, the sense of peace is that we can choose how our energy is, how we shift it, and where we focus it. So instead of focusing on somebody you don't like, Look at someone that you do. Look at someone you love. Look at an animal that brings you joy. Look at completely shift that energy back to a space that's going to serve you and make you feel like, um, you know, that, that you're not so emotional because it is, it's natural to feel that way. And so um, um, it's just a matter of intention with energy. And that's what I remind every, all my clients, all my, everybody that I work with, that you have that power. To, and um, powerful. Do you need a minute? Yeah. No. Okay. My, my kids kept trying to barge in. Oh, so <laughs> okay. to it. Don't worry. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, so, anyway, shall we transition into the interview portion, or was there any other specific campfire topic that you wanted to talk about, Anna? No. Um, no. I mean, I think it was fun about what you two spoke about, and I felt like um, it's exciting about today. I didn't even realize I have stayed so far off social media or like the internet for as much as I can that I didn't even realize what the date was today or that the 19th amendment was, you know, about today. And so I'm excited that you guys brought that up because it is really important and super pivotal and powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I just loved what you had to say of, you know, you exercise your power where you can, and then you have to let it go. I think that's so, so incredible. So Moving into our interview, um, I would love to, I guess, first hear a little bit more about, you know, for our listeners, a little bit more about your work outside of what, you know, the booty yoga, which we talked about, but, you know, a little bit more about your coaching and energy work. And then, you know, your story of how you 
got into that line of work. I know you've shared a little bit uh, with me um, off the podcast. So I'd love for you to share the parts of that story you'd like to share with our audience. Okay. Um, so do you want me to start with um, the first part of your question? Yeah, I, so people can understand a little bit more about what you do, and then we'll hear your story. Okay. So I I don't know. I've struggled with my actual title because I feel like coach is a good one because it's like you support your team and you want your team to be really um, you know, progressive and making sure that they're achieving their goals. But I feel like I'm more in support of. So I... I listen to clients and I ask them what they need and where they want to go. And then we figure out, you know, how we can best get them there. And then really I am always in a space of honoring where they are at and where they want to go. And I'm in that full space of support. And so some of those, some of the clients I've worked with has been really emotional. And so we've had to release some emotional blocks. And so that's like one technique I have is that we um, figure out kind of exactly how they're, feeling and why they might be feeling that way and then um, when we can really dial it in then we figure out that like how to free them of that and they get to go ahead and release that block and then once they release it it's like they've unleashed it and it's gone Um, other clients just need me to help them kind of get to their goal like hey I'm here you know I mean I don't you know I mean I could say I you know they're like I'm not happy in my career and I'm like okay well what does what does your perfect career look like Mm-hmm. How can we get you there? You know, what are the things that you have that you like now? What are the things that you're looking for? And where do you see yourself? And how do you, you know, why do you want to go there? Because the thing, other, the other side of that is if they're not um, really in tune to why they're unhappy in that career space, then the next career may or may not be a good fit for them. So it's really going back to that intention of what they need and where they want to go and how we can best get them there. Um, other people have asked me to, you know, work with them on the, the physical level, which is the booty yoga stuff and helping them figure out what's good for, um, kind of themselves, what they put in their body, how they feel about their body and totally shifting that mental image of like, I, I don't like myself or I don't feel good about this too. You get to celebrate the fact that you have a body that you can breathe with those lungs that you have, the mind that you have. And so no matter what, client I'm taking on or what the person needs in the moment I'm always very intentional with their intention you know asking them about their intentions for their life and their happiness and their health and how they can best um really fulfill themselves in this to a state of happiness right because I think that's what we all really want which is why I named my business the happiness effect is to find that state of being happy because if all of us feel really happy in our life then the whole world gets to glow you know what I mean and that's the that's the intention that I'm I really feel like I was put on this earth to serve people and help them find that state of joy in everyday life and knowing that they are amazing they are powerful you are in control of yourself and your emotions and and I just get to watch you blossom. You know, I give you ideas, I give you suggestions, I support you, I listen to you, I validate you, but in the end, I get to witness this beautiful transformation from all these people that are finding them that part of themselves that they, you know, that was dormant or that they never knew even existed or you know, all those fun things that we get to see evolve. That's so very cool. I'm interested yeah. before you go into your story of how you came to this work, like dialing in cuz obviously we haven't worked together. Um, so I'm not coming at it 
with as much of a knowledge as Shay is. But when you say energy work, like a lot of what you're describing, maybe people are thinking about experiences that they've had in like talk therapy or with, you know, Shay is a business coach. She also does goal setting with her clients and stuff. So when you say energy work, like I just watched the Netflix documentary Unwell and I'm picturing, I don't know if you guys have watched it. Not or if yet. you have any thoughts on it, but they, there's a woman who I envision doing like quote unquote energy work and she's kind of like not touching the client, but like kind of moving her hands over the client and stuff. So I'm just interested kind of in the specifics of what you do that's maybe similar or different from traditional talk therapy and like what specifically you mean by energy work. So, um, the I haven't seen that episode of Unwell with that woman, but it sounds like she might have been doing Reiki, and that is a type of energy work where you um, you can place your hands on people or you can keep your hands off of people. It, it would just probably depend on the person's um, comfort level and if she was certified in first or second degree Reiki. Um, so I do actually, I am actually certified in second degree Reiki, and so I can offer that to people. So um, that's kind of fun, but I feel like um, the energy that I speak about that I've been speaking about throughout this interview so far has been more like, um, it's like where your thoughts are and kind of what you're manifesting. Right. So like, like emotional and, energy, mental energy, yes, that kind of thing. Exactly. And kind of harnessing that and then either releasing it if it's not serving you or, um, just reminding you of the power that you hold inside of yourself. You know what I mean? Because we're all, everybody feels energy and everyone feels, um, if you're feeling bad, then you have to kind of dissect, like, where is that coming from? You know, or if you're feeling really good, you get to, you know, dissect that too and then feel like, well, how do we do that more often? You know? So yeah, it's, it is um, emotional and it is, um, I do also the Reiki, going back to the woman that you witnessed on Unwell. Um, but there's also this um, technique where I, it's about hand placements on your body. So you place your own hands on your body with me just kind of coaching you on where to place them. And then you, you know, figure out kind of what's happening and then you just get to release it. So if Maddie, what I think is really interesting and I'm glad we're recording this because I think I want to use this in your marketing, Anna, (laughs) we're working on marketing too together, but So when I did the energy release exercise with Anna, what was really cool about it and what I think she does in a lot of her work is, you know, sometimes you just feel yucky, right? About something like when some topic comes up or a thought of a certain person comes up or a certain experience, like you get that physical feeling of whatever you want to call it, anxiety or stress or depression and um, and, and, you know, clearly this is something that this type of work you do in tandem with all the other types of work we do to be well um, and, and work with your doctor and, and all of that too. But what I think Anna does that's so cool is she connects that emotional, that that physical manifestation, right, of an emotional feeling connects that. And if I'm saying this wrong, Anna, you can totally correct me, but you kind of correct the emo connect the emotional and the physical. And then once you can, Anna helps you identify that connection, then it's like, it's like, it's like turning the light on. Right. And you think there's like a monster in the room, but then you turn the light on and you're like, Oh, it's just this box that's making so a funny shadow. So it's kind shadow. of just like identifying yeah. like, 
oh, when I think about this person, I get a pit in my mm-hmm. stomach so that when that person comes up, just the sheer fact that you now know where the emotion is coming from, mm-hmm. then the physical pain or discomfort kind of goes away. Is that kind of what exactly. I'm hearing? So it's less, okay, that makes sense. Because I was yeah. picturing like this more, which it seems like maybe there's a little bit of this, but this kind of like Anna comes in with her energy and is like, I'm going to stand in front of you or like touch your body, which maybe is more of like a Reiki thing, which is another form of therapy. But it seems like what's what's more, the first step is just kind of this like talking and quasi therapy kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm not describing yeah, it well. I would say I would describe Anna as a guide. She helps okay. guide you through your feelings and your emotions and where That's those physical cool. connections are. And then lets you like, I, I always, I feel like I really have the power when I work with Anna, you know, and then you can cool. do whatever you want with that power, but you know, generally a release. So, um, I hope that makes sense to our listeners. Anna, I hope we did you justice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, what's fun about this interview is because, and I've talked with you, Shay, so many times about it's very hard to articulate or even like quantify like what it is I do, because it's not even just like, you it know, seems like it's so specific to each person. Like each yeah. client is so different. Absolutely. That's exactly right. And so that's why sometimes it's hard for me to like answer questions when people are like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, what, how are you feeling? What is it you might yeah. need? You know, cause it's not, yes. Yeah, and that's, and Shay is exactly right. Like I'm not, it's, and it's funny, Maddie, that you said it that way. Like I come in with my energy, but it's, it's actually that I'm like how Shay said, I'm a guide. So I get to come to you where you are, talk with you, meet you where you're at and talk about how you're feeling. And we figure out why you're feeling that way. And every person is so different and some things that might affect some, like one person would maybe never affect another, but they might have had a similar experience, you know, but it was received and responded to in such a different way. And so, um, it's really about honoring the person that I work with, meeting them where they are and just really getting them to the most optimal health inside and out that I can help them achieve. But, um, I'm certainly more of a vessel for the process than I am like, a. not to say that I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm very confident with my, you know, the intelligence behind this as well. And we'll talk about that in a minute when we talk about kind of the journey that got me here. But, um, but I am, I try to remain incredibly humble and committed to my purpose of serving others with like the most pure intention. And that means I focus on them and only them and figure out how we can best help that person. Cool. Well, maybe that's yeah. a great transition into the second part of Shay's question of like, how how did you get to doing this work and kind of, you know, because it seems Shay kind of alluded to it. We've talked a lot on this podcast about this like metaphysical, both like wellness as a general topic and then kind of like more metaphysical, spiritual side of things. And I think that there's a lot of people who might be skeptical and who are like, I don't know what this is or I don't know if I would be someone who would want to or need to talk to someone like Anna in this way um, for help. So just kind of talking through your journey and then, you know, what is the, the science or the training or the intelligence as you put it behind these practices? Okay. So I'll start with, um, kind of how I got to where I am. Um, it's kind of a funny, (laughs) I'll try to make it short, but, um, there were lots of different moments that I was pivoting like, okay, wait, 
So when I was younger, I really, really wanted to be a child psychologist. And it was because I just, knowing that there were children out there that were just suffering or not protected and not being heard, it just, it was so, made me so sad. And so I was like, instead of being upset about it, how can I help make the change, right? And so I thought my idea was child psychologist. And so I started going to college and I was taking my classes and stuff. And then I went and I... um volunteered at a children's center out here in Portland and I when I would leave right these children I would walk away and I felt like my gosh are they going to be okay will they be there when I when I go back tomorrow are they going to survive the night are they gonna you know I was just so I could never just walk away and then just be done and so I did that for like 12 weeks. I volunteered and then I realized like I was just so, I became so distraught and so like really affected by these kids that it just, it broke my heart really. And um, I realized like I can't, I'm not strong enough to take this on. And I, and I recognized that and I wasn't ashamed of it and I wasn't disappointed. I was grateful that I had that moment to be like, this would be my life, right? Like I would never be able to walk away from any child or having a child work with me. And if that child committed suicide or something, like I just, it was just so intense. I just thought there's just no way I can take this on. And so then I just decided, okay, I'm going to continue my, my, my degree in psychology. So I went and you know, went to Portland State, and I was getting my degree in psychology, and I thought, okay, I'm going to go to law school, because, you know, lawyers can advocate for children, and lawyers can advocate for really whatever they, you know, choose, right, and so I was, like, getting ready to graduate Portland State, and I was getting ready to take my LSATs, and I was getting ready to apply to Willamette University out here, and all these things, but in the meantime, Jay, my husband, and I, he had proposed, and so we were going to get married, and so in my last year, during all this time of me graduate, graduating from Portland State, me taking my LSATs, me trying to get into Willamette, all that stuff. He was planning our wedding, right, <laughs> by himself. And I had this, another epiphany, like, this is this is not what I, I don't want to start my marriage like this because mm-hmm. he's doing all, he was literally doing all the work because all of my effort, all of my work was into my academics, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is not healthy either, right? Because I mean, of course, it would be super intense for law school because it's three years. It's like, you know, and I was trying to get it. I was going to expedite it as much as I could. So that would be taking, you know, heavier credit load. And so I thought, no, <laughs> this is like a, a recipe for a divorce, basically, you know, mm-hmm. or even maybe not even a, a, a wedding. And so I thought, no, I'm going to I'm going to stop. I'm not going to. I graduated P- Portland State with my my bachelor's of science degree in psychology. And then um I thought, okay, I'll go to law school later because, I mean, really, you can always go back to school, you know. And so I just kind of, you know, drifted away from the law idea. And I thought, well, that's interesting. That that doesn't really fit anymore. About a year and a half later, I thought that just doesn't seem to call to me like it did, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I ended up working at like a, a a financial institution and then I went and started working actually at a law firm and I was just that that job was funny it just fell into my lap really like I don't even recall applying to it they -hmm. called me and they're like you want to come in for the interview I'm like oh sure (laughs) anyway I didn't even know what I was applying or what I was walking into so anyhow I got that job at the law office at the law firm and I I just was like okay my life is not fulfilled I want to like this is not where I'm supposed to be like I'm 
I'm, I'm put here for a reason. Like, what is it? What is it? And I don't know. It was like, I don't even recall if I heard somebody use the term or I just started watching like a life coach, but the life coach came up and I thought, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like that's the best of both worlds. Like I get to help people, but I don't have to, um, take on this, the really heavy, serious stuff because I'm not a counselor and I would never pretend to be one. And so if anyone has ever come to me that I've felt I could not help, if they needed a little bit more support, I've encouraged them to see a counselor because at the end of the day, what I'm here for is to help people. And so if that means I have to, um, offer someone else's support for a person, I'm more than happy to do that, you know? And anyhow, so I started this journey of, of life coaching and it's been really interesting where I've even flown with this. Like I've was helping, uh, I was volunteering like at a women's shelter because I thought for sure that, you know, maybe that was what I needed to do was help, you know, women kind of transition out of that kind of state. And I volunteered there for like a year and I was like, no, this is still really heavy, you know, cause there's so much that comes with that. There's abuse, there's addiction, there's, you know, the, again, I'm not a counselor. And so I would never pretend to be one. And so many of these people needed that extra support that I just, you know, and so then I was like, okay, I'm just going to do corporate. So I went and I did stuff actually for the YMCA. I did some, I did stuff for them. And then, um, I was like, no, I don't want to do, you know, nonprofit or corporate stuff. So then I was just like, I'm just going to help people, just people. I don't need to like, I don't need to like have a niche, you know? And so, and then funny enough, I found the booty yoga and it just, it was so seamless into my intention of what my, of what, what I was put here for to, to help people, people feel good and to help people feel supported and be heard and have a place to feel validated and to feel safe. And I get to create that with, the classes I teach for booty and I get to create that in every person I work with and I in the space for that. So that's kind of how, <laughs> Oh, and then of course I got, I'm a certified life coach. So after I realized I want to be a life coach, I became certified and then I, I'm a certified Reiki, you know, I can do Reiki. I'm second degree and certified in that. So that's kind of, um, I think what I was speaking to when I was saying, you know, it's not all emotional. It's, it's also, there's some intelligence behind it too. Mm-hmm. I love that. What a cool, yeah, it's a great what a cool story. Yeah. Very I cool. Love it. I'm interested in like the Shay and I have talked about this. Cause I think you've also in your business, like what, what does it mean to be a coach versus a strategist versus, you know, some of these, more like spiritual disciplines like Reiki. So um, like what was your life coach training and what kind of drew you to that specific discipline? Because I think there's so many things and you even kind of mentioned it of, you know, these ways that you can help people and forge your own path in this really important work. But what about that like specific certification or kind of your philosophy on coaching people and guiding people? that drew you to it and what did you learn through that training? So the answer to this is probably going to be deflating, but (laughs) because I already had my degree in psychology and because I've, I had already been operating with my, um, my emotional intuition with people for so long that, um, I really thought I needed to get certified so that any client would feel that I was, you know, legitimate. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes you don't say, I'm a life coach with a bachelor's of science in psychology, right? You yeah. just say, I'm a life coach. But a lot of, there's a ton of, you know, 
caution out there like if you have a life coach make sure they're certified yeah mm-hmm. and so that's i was like point. okay that's why yeah. i brought it up because i i was laughing with a friend earlier and i think it's great that we're talking about this because we we had this girl that was in our sorority and she's my age she's 26 and she got a degree in acting and she's like i'm a life coach and it like isn't doing any certification or any like furthering education and we're like what does this mean? Like you haven't even lived enough life yourself to like call yourself a life coach and you have no skills in this area. Like what? So, <laughs> but maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe she is like intention, you know, emotionally connected to people and has that. But I think that's important that you recognize that and that I think we're talking about it because it's such an umbrella term and there are so many people who are selling snake oil in the space. So I want to make that distinction between what you're doing and those grifters. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it, and that's what's so hard about life coaching. And that's why I think I've also gotten in my own way with the title because it really is not a monitored field. So mm-hmm. you're right. Anyone could go get a degree in anything and then all of a sudden think, oh, I'm a life coach. And you're like, and I'm not, and I'm not speaking against anybody. I'm just saying that there is that caution that, you know, other, a potential person who's seeking a life coach should take because um, unfortunately, because of what this is, industry is we are working with people who are delicate and they're trusting you and to Mm -hmm. me trust is so it's just it's amazing and to have that to have someone that you don't even know give that to you it's we really should be in a complete intentional space of honoring that trust and part of that starts with hey I'm certified because I took these courses and I got this certification to make sure that I was going to help you not hurt you because like anything else, there's good, like we kind of talked about in the beginning, there's good people and bad, or, you know, you know, good intention and bad intention people with with all professions. And so, um, it's, yeah, it is important that a person is at least certified because it's a very delicate journey that you're taking with a person, you Mm -hmm. know, and if you mislead them, it could be so detrimental for them. And that would just be, oh, that would be really upsetting. But, yeah, Maddie, I agree with you that people should at least get, especially because there are so many different places you can go to get certified. There's all, you know, levels of, you know, what the cost is and then the depth of intensity. I mean, so really it should be achievable for most anybody to get certified because there, like I said, there's just a huge arena of where you can go and, and, and check into a program that's best for you to get certified for what your vocation is, you know? I love that that's really, really powerful. And I think it's important that we, you know, I think so often we just don't talk about these things, you know, and people it's, you know, I think Maddie, even you alluded to this, you know, it's so easy for someone to, to take advantage. And it's also so easy for us to poo poo someone who says they have this particular career, you know, and say, Oh, LOL, you know, they're a life coach. Well, there's actually people like you who are doing really an incredible work and you know you guys you should be lauded and you know be considered you know someone of huge value to work with so um you know I think it's interesting how we um how we navigate that you know and and that we do you know I don't think there's anything wrong with sometimes having to qualify like yes I am certified right and I do have a master or a you know a bachelor's in psychology and this is important to me you know so um I think I think that's all very very cool stuff Um, so Maddie, 
I have another question. What do you have anything? No, I mean I have lots of questions, but you many go. questions. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just I thought it'd be interesting, Anna. You talked if you're comfortable talking about this. Um, you know about your experience as an empath and how you discovered that and um, how that influences your work. And I think that our listeners would love to hear about that story as well. Okay. <laughs> um, so at a, a company I was working for, it was a small company and it was a really intimate, um, office that I was working in. And, um, I, all of a sudden just started feeling like I, I just was having the strangest thoughts and I, um, was having strange feelings about myself that, it was so disjointed with anything I've ever felt before the thoughts. I really honestly started feeling like they weren't my own. And so, um, during this time of all this, uh, whatever you want to call it, awakening, I guess you could say, um, my husband and I were also trying to conceive. We were trying to get pregnant and we had tried for like six years. And during the sixth year, um, that's when all this stuff started happening with my, with my brain where I was thinking I was like losing my mind. (laughs) And so I thought, well, we have this really amazing psychic out here in Oregon and she has been used for uh, missing people's cases and she's credited. I mean, the police will call on her for things at times. I mean, she's very validated and she's, um, she's a person who I just knew I could trust because I was listening to her and she wrote a book. And I mean, if the police are going to work with her, then I'm pretty sure she was legitimate. So anyhow, I went with her, I went to her, I asked for, you know, if I could have a, you know, go see her and she, she took me on. And then, um, we went through my reading and stuff. And at the end she said, okay, well, is there anything else that you want to talk about? And I said, well, and I was really nervous and she's like, well, what is it? And I said, I I feel like I'm going (laughs) to sound like a crazy person asking you this I swear I think I'm an empath and she goes oh yeah you are and I told her about all the experiences I was having and she said yep those all so some of the thoughts I had was um I was getting out of control with my eating which I'd never done before or I would eat something and then hate myself which I've never done before um another thought I thought my husband was having an affair on me which I'd never thought before um this other person in the office he was um I think he was struggling with his um, sexuality. And so some of that was, I was like feeling that. And anyhow, I had all these thoughts that I was like picking up on, but I was internalizing them. And anyhow, when I told Suzanne about this, um, she was like, oh yeah. She said, you th- that, that was, those were their thoughts. And you had just become so raw and sensitive to your surroundings that you could just basically pick up on it and you were internalizing it. And I said, well, you know, what do I, how do I pray? myself because I don't want to walk around thinking or feeling certain things that don't belong to me. And, and so she just said, you know, you have this cool ability that we can um, imagine a bubble around us and we can make it a color if we want, or we can, you know, just make it gold or whatever. And then just imagine yourself in that bubble. And as you go through your day, if you start to feel off or you start to feel like your, your emotions are shifting, but you aren't really sure why, um, check in with yourself and, and, and see if that bubble is still consciously there. And if it isn't, then, you know, re reconnect to it. And if it, and if it is, then you should be fine or you can trust that those are your thoughts or whatever. Um, and so it was at that time that I started to learn that, um, I am super sensitive to people and, um, I just had to be really careful on how to, on how to, you know, where and how to let my guard down. But I do, um, 
allow myself to feel that for people that I work with. And I never speak to the things I think or I feel for them. Like I'll, I would never impose and say, Hey, I think you're doing this, or I think you feel that, <laughs> you know, but I, it, like, if I feel that in, like, if I feel that there's something I might say, you know, well, you know, how do you feel about this? Or talk to me, where are your, where are your thoughts and how are you feeling? And, or we you know why, you know, we just kind of dive deeper into trying to, to digest and dissect kind of what they're going through and why. And that, and the empath part of it allows me to trust myself that I'm, that I'm honoring them and not trying to get um, like any overshadow by, by what my, what I would maybe think would be better or quicker or easier for someone. Like I meet them on their journey. You know what I mean? That's so interesting. I feel like you should lead with that in your marketing materials. This is now just a working (laughs) session for Shay's business work with Anna. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No, but I think that's super fascinating and I think that that kind of connects a lot of the dots for me of what we were talking about in the beginning of like I think I was struggling a little bit to be to like just because I'm coming at this fresh like what is it exactly that you do and how is it different from like clinical psychology or you know a more traditional therapeutic practice or something more physical like getting a massage or yoga like those are things that people have a framework for and I think the missing link was that empath piece that's that's what makes the work that you do special so I'm glad Shay you asked that question thank you (laughs) so we kind of alluded to this at the beginning the kind of spiritual spirituality practice I think we've been focusing a lot on the more concrete work but how do you bring spirituality into your practice and how do you feel about you know bringing it back to millennial culture um you know crystals or you know people getting more into like being a Wiccan and things like this I think millennials are kind of searching for these quote-unquote alternative styles of spirituality and wellness and I'm just interested kind of in the wellness and spirituality space what do you find helpful for yourself and your clients and what do you think is like maybe a little not worth people's time and money and energy (laughs) (laughs) um well, and, and so sometimes the spirituality part doesn't fall into the, the person if that's not where they're needing that extra support. But um, I really feel for myself and for some of the people that I've had um, conversations with about this. And I was telling Shay that this comes up organically more than it does like as part of the initial intention of the work that the, whoever and I will do together. Um, I really think that we can, there are certain things we can trust. And I think... Some of those are, you know, for me personally, the animal spirits, the animal messages that we can receive. And every person um, gets to receive those. Yes. Sorry to jump in, but Shay (laughs) and Chris, we were just camp. I don't know if Shay told you, but I was in Oregon. We were camping last weekend and there was a bird of prey and it came over us while we were ziplining and it was very scary. And Shay and Chris were like, Anna would say that that's a good sign because it's a bird from the animal spirit like coming to you telling you that it's okay so yeah very exciting yeah and that's what's really beautiful is you get to in that moment in that space witness whatever it is you're witnessing and and here's the other fun part that I love about this this particular spirituality for me and 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 because I'm really eclectic on my um, my beliefs, actually, like this isn't the only thing I honor. There's lots of things I pull from, but um, this is one of my favorite elements because um, you know 
the three of you saw that bird of prey and probably no one else in the whole world did in that Mm -hmm. moment. And you could be walking down the street and see a skunk. And in two seconds, a person could walk right behind you and not even see that skunk. Or, and that's why it's so much fun because not only is it relevant and valid because if you go back and kind of search the meaning for that animal or that, you know, whatever it is that you saw, there is so much relevance to your life or to where maybe you need to focus your energy. And so, um, you, no person can c- control, you know, a dragonfly or a bird of prey or anything else. I mean, I suppose they could if they trained these things, I, I suppose. <laughs> but, but, you know, organically speaking, um, these things aren't things that you force to happen. And so it's such a really peaceful state, I think, to look at what it is that you're seeing in your life, what animal, insect or whatever that's coming to you. And if it comes to you, maybe take a moment to look it up and see what the meaning is, because that meaning is going to have, I guarantee you, without even knowing any of you or anyone listening, if you take that moment and that animal or the insect, it caught your attention. If you go and you Google the, the, the message for it, or even for me, I use a book, but, um, can you let us it, know what book that is that you recommend? Yes. It's animal speak by Ted Andrews. Uh, anyhow, but, um, if you look up the meaning I guarantee you, you're going to be like, oh my gosh, like this is really profound. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and that's fun too, because it it puts it in the person's space because you could see the bird and not even, you don't have to look it up. Mm -hmm. Like if you choose not to find, if it's not your right time to find that, you know, alignment with that kind of spirituality, then it's, you don't have to go, you don't have to, right? You don't have to go look it up. You don't have to, um, see what the meaning is you, you know and if it keeps happening then maybe you should but you don't have to and it doesn't mean anything bad will happen if you don't you know there's not a negative consequence of you not searching the meaning you know and then um you know I I like recognize saints you know so like saint francis is important to me because he's saint of the animals and stuff mm-hmm. and so there's parts of that I call on and then I I will work with sage and sweetgrass and I do that and then I I do believe in god and I believe that that God put all these things in my life for me to mm-hmm. work with. Like, I don't think, and I work with chakras and I do all these different and it could possibly seem conflicting, mm-hmm. but I don't, for me personally, like they're not like, they're so much food for my soul that like, I, and I think Maddie, going back to your question, like the millennials who are so desperately searching for something, you know, you don't have to necessarily search for anything new or as Shay likes to say, you don't have to recreate the wheel. You mm-hmm. can pull. If it's Wiccan that you pull from fine. If it's all good, if it's a place of goodness and love and light and you're not in, you're not being influenced to do harm. I think you can trust it, you know? And I think that it goes back to that, you know, moral compass that we all and if, I mean, I think we all have one. I mean, I'd, I'd like to think that, but if we don't, then maybe try to honor that and think about what's right and what's, what's maybe not so right or what's kind and what's hateful. And, and if it's always kind and good, then I think you can trust it. And it doesn't have to be, you know, well, you're um, a person of the Mormon faith or a person of the Catholic faith or, I mean, and there are people that probably feel really strong in those labels and that's absolutely okay. But speaking to a millennial who might be searching for something that makes them feel like they belong, I think it's okay to honor whatever calls to them. If parts of the Wiccan stuff call, okay, honor that. See how it feels. If it feels good for you and you feel like you're doing good in the world and you're being influenced to be positive and kind and coming from a place of love, I don't think that's wrong. 
think that that was put in your path because it was trying to show you that there's something more and better out there to be reminded to be kind and good and like full of light and love, you know? And if it's something on the other side of that, if it's bringing you negativity or giving you an influence to hurt, then maybe <laughs> turn away yeah. from that because that's probably not going to serve you. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask, you know, what is your, I guess, religion or denomination? It, I mean, you said saints, so I assume maybe, maybe Catholic. <laughs> um, it, yeah. I mean, the last church I did go to with a, was a Catholic church yeah. and I had gone for years, but like I haven't, I haven't gone to church in many, many years and I, I haven't taken my, my boys to church, but they know about God mm-hmm. and they, you know, I mean, I think for me personally, what, as I grew and I evolved and I, and I wanted to just be like a really positive person in life. I feel like um, some of the stuff that we grew up thinking when it comes to traditional religion isn't necessarily, you know, a place of love and a place of light. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like the idea that like there's a God that would hurt or take someone's son from them to, Mm -hmm. to make a point. Like I don't, I just, I don't want to think that way. Like I don't, so I won't, I don't internalize that. And I don't think that I wouldn't want my kids to know that, to think like that either. I want them to think that whoever God is, whatever God is, is a, is a loving being and a a beautiful thing to look Mm -hmm. up to, not something that would be hurtful or hateful, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I did go to the Catholic church with the last church I was at. Um, and before that I was just Protestant. Like I would Mm -hmm. just, you know, and then I converted to Catholicism and then years later I, um, I just thought, and it was actually really cool too, because one of the free thinking moments I had was from the Catholic church. Well, actually a few of them. And there was this moment that I was, cause when I converted, I was like 18 or 19 and mm-hmm. I was, I was a young, I was old enough to like make my own choices and understand it and be brave enough and bold enough to ask questions too. Mm-hmm. And so this nun who I was working with when she, when I was converting, you know, we kind of were talking about the story about Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I kind of was like, you, you know, that's just such a, like an amazing story. And like, to think about that, like, like I really was so naive. I was like thinking, well, this is just what happened, you know? And she said, you know, sometimes stories are just stories mm-hmm. and it's the message you are to pull from the story. That's more, more important and powerful than the actual, what was written. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's really refreshing that a nun is encouraging me to think through something and not just take it as truth you know? And so it kind of got me on that journey of finding, but again, and I said this before and I'll say it again, and I hope I don't offend anybody, but I do believe in God and I don't put anything above God in my life. Mm -hmm. But, but I also honor all these other parts of different religions and spirituality that, that call to my soul. And I trust that because I, I think that the God I believe in loves so much that it's okay to, to pull other things that that mean something to you. And I think, I think that's extremely powerful just because I know that that's something that I also raised Catholic, went to Catholic university. Um, My grandmother was very devoted to the Virgin Mary and that was always such a positive thing, right? Like watching her spirituality, but then, you know, as an adult feeling like I can't align myself with a church that does have a lot of terrible, hateful things going on in it right now. But I love, it's just, it's just so validating as with everything Anna does clearly, (laughs) Clearly, I've drank all the Kool-Aid, but um, it's just just so great to to feel validated that you can learn about other faiths and other spiritualities and other cultures, but, you know, keep what resonates with you and what, again, comes from that that space of love. There can be more than one right answer. 
which is what exactly. I kind of took away from this. I think, like, I'm curious in your philosophy, maybe less with your own self, but with your clients, like, you know, uh, I think there's a lot of this stuff, like the, the unwell documentary is, is one of these things, but, you know, if, if it resonates with someone, but it's doing harm that maybe they don't recognize. So it's validating for them and it's working for them, but there could be harms to either their physical health. Obviously you're not a medical professional, so people should still, you know, see your doctor and stuff like that. But, you know, just generally, I'm curious with your experience, if you, if you have clients that maybe have a little bit more of an extreme lifestyle or are partaking in, you know, wellness trends or things that could be particularly harmful to their physical or mental health, how do you kind of navigate that? Or if they feel they're fine with the choice, then you're kind of there in your role just to empower them kind of thing. Yeah, so it's exactly right. So if if I see something that's not, you know, helping them be in a, a state of health, you, you just, I mean, I, I will ask, like, well, how does this make you feel? And how do you feel, you know, afterwards? Or how are you feeling? And, and they might say, Oh, I feel great. But if I can see that they're visibly agitated, then I can say, like, I, I have said, like, you seem like you're like stressed out or you seem like you're like, this isn't really serving you. Like, you know, tell me more, like help me understand better why you think this is a good thing. And sometimes just them talking, like there's been oftentimes where people have just started off in one space, like, no, this is how I feel. This is where I'm at. And this is like a good thing that once I just, cause I think one of the most powerful things we can all say to each other is help me understand like better like what 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 do you why do you feel this way what is it that you feel so um strong about and why like if you help me understand then i can better understand it and so that in itself helps a person almost like talk through where they're at and at the end of the conversation if they don't feel like it's really serving them they get to realize that on their own and if they do feel like it's serving them and i'm still concerned I will just say, okay, like, I mean, I'm, I would never tell anybody like you're wrong or wrong way to do this, or this is hurting you. I mean, clearly if it was like, I mean, I've never worked with any, um, drug addicts or anything, but if I, if I was, and I was witnessing that I would obviously then I would take a bold statement and say like, I think you need really serious help. And like, you might need to go see like a professional that you can go like go to a rehab or something, but I haven't ever worked with anyone like that. But, um, you know, if I have witnessed, when I witness stuff, there's, there's been just that conversation. And at the end of the day, if they feel like it's really, you know, good, like if they're like ingesting something or they're, you know, on a new diet fad, like some of the diet things, I'm like, oh gosh, that doesn't seem very safe for your body, you know? And so, and I'll say that to them, but if they feel like, no, this is where, this is it, then I say, okay, like, and I just kind of support them. I mean, obviously I'm not, their parent and I'm not going to tell them what to do, but you know, to answer your question, Maddie, it's, it's, you're right. Like sometimes I just have to sort of stand there and and witness it because, um, they're not paying me to, to, to like (laughs) tell them what to do in that regard. And if they feel like it's helping, then that, then it would do, you know, sometimes it's, it's also worse if someone's like, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And they're like, no, this is right. This is right. This is right. Just that simple tension would make, can potentially make a person stay in that dangerous space longer because they're like trying to prove a point you know yeah you just have to like give that beautiful space for people to figure out 
is this really right for me or is it not? And if they think it is, but it's, it seems dangerous to me, I just, I stand by them and I support them and I just do the best I can to still love them, love them in spite of it, you know, and just help them. And eventually, you know, eventually they do start to balance out like, gosh, that wasn't very good. I, I didn't feel very good afterwards. Like felt fine for the first week when I was losing that weight or felt good, you know, when I had this, but then I didn't feel very good anymore, you know? Yeah. I think that's a good distinction to make, especially because it seems like the work that you do is very open-ended again, based on the client. So like, you don't really know what you're walking into and you have so many tools in your tool belt based on your own spirituality to have people try to connect with or with the Reiki or the yoga and all these different things that it's, you know, you're having clients come to you for a variety of issues. It's not like, oh, if I go to a yoga class, I kind of have a reasonable expectation of what to expect. It's really led by the client and not necessarily by you for the most part as like the service provider, so to speak. So I think that's really interesting because I think it's kind of a, a, a flip and a change in mindset in, you know, our capitalistic culture that the wellness industry and the self-help industry and all of these things are so, I think, focused on like, what is the service I'm providing? And it's usually so specific as opposed to I'm just a vessel for what you kind of want to do. So that's, I think, what I've taken out of this conversation. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, I want to be respectful of Anna's time. I know we're getting close to 530 um, and we're over an hour in our recording. So Maddie, do you have any last questions for, for Anna before we move into our final segment? No, I think this was really interesting. I think. Yeah, um, thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here and talk with both of you. Yay. So we are now moving into our archery range, which is how we end every episode. And we're going to ask you a series of rapid fire questions. Just say whatever comes to mind first. It's just kind of a fun little way that we end our episode. So Maddie, you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, what was your favorite year in school? Oh, probably my senior year of college. That's a good one. Uh, favorite book? Mm, that's a hard one. I would probably say Animal Speak. Oh, actually, I just read one that was um, the best worst uh, bridesmaid or something like that. So that funny. Fun. It was so funny. I'm going to look that one up. Favorite movie? Mm. Well, I'll tell you the truth, but it's going to probably seem really counterintuitive to everything we've talked about, but it's the, <laughs> it's the boondock saints. Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, favorite childhood snack. Hmm. Oh. <coughs> probably just like cottage cheese and fruit. Mm. Very cool. Um, this is why Anna is very healthy and fit. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> That's a great snack. Yes. Um, this is a new, I'm just curious, like, recommendation. We got the Animal Speak book, but what's your favorite, either spiritual leader or um, self-help or another life coach that you would want to recommend to our listeners? Oh, the two, and these probably are going to be big names that you will recognize, but um, Lisa Nichols, I love, love, love her. And then Tony Robbins, I think he's pretty amazing, too. Cool. Love it. Uh, I don't know Lisa Nichols, so I'm excited to look her up. Uh, favorite TV show? Favorite TV show. It depends. We just started watching um, Kim's Convenience. I don't know if you watched oh. that. 
it's no, really funny. It. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. So we, it's just, it was so funny. Yeah. Good. Cool. What's your favorite place you've traveled but never lived? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe, probably Mexico, actually. Very That's cool. cool. Love that. Awesome. Cool. And I feel like there were so many things that we may have to have you back again. I'm like, we didn't talk about being a twin mom, all of these interesting things that haven't, we haven't touched on in the podcast yet. So hopefully we can get you back another time. But in the meantime, where can our listeners find you on the internet or how can they reach out to you if they are interested in working with you? And Anna, everyone, you don't have to work, live in the Portland area. She does work with people via Zoom or phone. So keep that in mind. Um, you can go to my website, thehappinesseffect.com, and the effect is with an A, so it's affect. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, same thing, the happiness effect with Anna, all underscores between the, the, the words, and on Facebook, you can find me. I have a Facebook page, so. Awesome. Yay. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you so much. This was amazing. Um, all right, campers, we will see you in Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at camp.